something to say. Hello everybody and welcome to Project Shadow episode number 558, Agent Carter, Supergirl Gets Her Man. Hello, I'm Eric and I am the host of, the, of Project Shadow, the voice of Project Shadow, the guy who writes everything over there. Yeah, hi. I'm sorry I didn't get an episode out yesterday, but like I told you on the last episode, we were going to a food tasting for our restaurant that we own and I didn't know if I'd be back in time to get another episode out yesterday and no no we weren't and I have to say the food tasting was rather disappointing I I learned two things that I never thought I would learn number one there is such a thing as bad bacon and two there really can be too much bacon yeah so we walk into the place and uh I, I was expecting them to have all manner of things that we could try, from exotic meats to exotic cheeses to exotic vegetables and fruits and whatnot, as well as your standard, you know, hey, why don't you carry this and just throw it into the deep fryer that your restaurant doesn't have? Because we refuse to get a deep fryer for the restaurant, because we don't deep fry food at our restaurant. Um, yeah... That's actually not what we saw when we got there. It was, uh, hey, why don't you buy our cold brew coffee? Because I know you don't know what cold brew coffee is, and we make a special cold brew coffee. And uh, I had to explain to the poor man, yeah, we've been making our own cold brew for a while and selling it because people like me, I, I like cold brew coffee better, and we're just trying to get the market to understand what it is. So, yeah, that was rather behind the curve but yeah okay so we go into the next table and guess what they had a specialty bacon you know what was special about this bacon it was just bacon that's it bacon nothing added to it next table they had bacon yeah more bacon and oh they had smoked bacon apple smoked bacon Smoky smoked bacon. I think I'm kidding with that. Pepper smoked bacon. Every naffing table had a specialty bacon. And the ones that didn't had, and I kid you not, a bacon aioli. Because, you know, bacon fat plus eggs equals aioli. But they'll make it for you because, you know, you're lazy. Mm-hmm. And... One table had a bacon burger, where they actually just... I I had to break it to them that it wasn't really a bacon burger. They just took, you know, pork belly and ground it into a burger. And, yeah, that was not successful. They shouldn't have... No. I've actually had things like that that worked, but theirs really didn't. And then we would go to the next table... Oh wow, they have a turkey burger. Okay, what what's special about your turkey burger? Your turkey burger. We grind bacon into it. Oh. So, it's a bacon and turkey burger. Okay. Every table was bacon. 
except for, you know, a couple. There was one that was showing us exotic, exotic vegetables like asparagus and spinach. By the way, that's also the one that had the bacon aioli. <laughs> it was insane. It was, oh, so much bacon. And so much of it was really bad. Not exactly what I expected. We've been to these tastings before. They usually have interesting things, but this year apparently everybody's out of ideas. It's just, how can we make bacon taste bad? Which is a really hard thing to do, but believe me, people, they have found a way. So be warned, there's a possibility that really bad bacon is coming your way. Hopefully not. Hopefully you will be spared. Hopefully people like me had to taste the really bad bacon so people like you will be able to have your happy memories of when bacon was amazing and couldn't be bad no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that that was my day yesterday. So, I'm sorry I didn't get an episode out, but, you know, I told you I might not be able to, and, you know, unfortunately that turned out to be true. I was also thinking of doing a video from there, but, yeah. I... I uh, yeah. It was just too depressing. I no. <laughs> I actually debated whether I was going to talk about it on the show today, but I thought an explanation for where yesterday's episode went it might be fun. And yeah, bacon. Bacon was actually in my nightmares last night because there was just so much of it. So here we are today on Book Watch Day Number Two Hundred and Forty. Yes, it's been 240 days since I began work on the latest sci-fi book. And it's actually coming along a little bit better. Hopefully I'll have more to share with you later in this book watch segment. But I thought I would just introduce this because, I don't know, it's funny. Book watch, day 240. Yeah, there's a lot going on with this book. It's going to be a big one. And you know what the sad thing is? I've only written a little bit of it. I've been spending most of my time figuring out backstory and setting elements because I really want to make sure I get everything right. Yeah. More about that. On the way. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, uh, only thing I saw interesting in the news today, it looks like they're trying to cast a Superman for the upcoming CBS Supergirl pilot. This is interesting for two reasons. Number one, Supergirl, as I understand it, is going to be happening within the Arrowverse. As I understand what's going on, both Supergirl and Vixen are going to be part of the Arrowverse with Arrow and Flash and the possible Atom spinoff and maybe, you know, some of the other shows that might get spun off from there. So that kind of surprised me. Now, Flash has made references to Bruce Wayne, so the assumption is that Batman does exist in the Arrowverse. I figured since they were going to put Supergirl in that Superman also existed, but there was part of me that was hoping that we were kind of going for an Earth 2 thing, because, I mean, you have the movies coming out, and the movies and the TV shows are, unlike the Marvel stuff, are not going to be crossing the streams. They're not crossing over. So, from my perspective, I was hoping that they would do like they do with the comics, where you have the Earth-1 storyline, where everything's kind of interconnected and doing its thing. And then you have the Earth-2 stories, where one of the most brilliant things that they did was issue 1 of Earth-2, they killed off Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman, and 
you have slightly modified origin stories for the rest of the superheroes, and they go forward in a world without Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. That made for a very interesting read because you don't have the deus ex machina that you can just throw into the setting of, oh, and Superman shows up and beats it with his fists. Or they couldn't figure out the problem and then Batman showed up with, with his brilliant detective mind, figured it out, you know. They, they are the deus ex machina of the DC Universe, and so it was a really interesting thing to have them just kind of, oh, by the way, they're dead. On with the story! And I was kind of... While I didn't expect them to do a Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are dead thing for the Arrowverse, I was kind of hoping that they would just do a they don't exist. Because Gotham is not part of the Arrowverse, which I think is a good thing. Um, not really a big fan of that show. I might try it out. I noticed they're doing some stuff with Red Hood. and I, I want to like it, but it's just not happening at all. But... Anywho, you know, since that's not, you know, connected, I didn't expect them to make any Batman references, so I was surprised when they did. Um, I, I am rather surprised that they're going to do a Superman. I'm wondering, see, this is based off of a casting call. I have to explain this rumor. It's based off of a casting call where they're looking for somebody who's an actor who's 5'11 or taller and ripped. And the assumption is they're doing that because they're going to cast a Superman to be in the pilot, at least, of the Supergirl TV show. That description is not necessarily Superman, so maybe that's not what they're doing. I would love to see Superman completely not exist in this setting. Just like I love the fact that we have Ferris Air in, you know, mentioned in Arrow several times and even mentioned in um, Flash once. I would love to see them go the way of having John Diggle become a, the Green Lantern for the TV franchise. I think he basically has John Stewart's backstory already, so you could just give it to him. And they have announced that they're in talks with DC to let them do that, so yay! <laughs> That's really exciting. But hopefully, they're not going to be doing this Superman thing. And we'll see. I, I have high hopes for it, even though it isn't a CBS show, I have high hopes for it just because as I understand things and my understanding may be wrong, which is, you know, if it is, please let me know that Greg Berlanti is going to be part of the um, production team that's going to make this show happen like he is with Arrow and Flash. And I've been, I just, you know, Greg Berlanti, I've been a fan of his for a very long time. I think he can do almost no wrong when it comes to superheroes. So I, th you know, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I, I am concerned about how they are going to limit the TV shows that they're doing if they're going to introduce the idea that Superman exists. Because if Superman exists in this universe, there's always going to be that nagging question in the back of your mind when something really, really bad's going on, because you know they're working towards a Justice League or a Justice Society. For the series. I mean, we've had Firestar, we have had Adam, um, not to, you know, Katana has been, been on the show. We've, we're introducing, you know, more and more superheroes. 
if there is a huge world catastrophe that actually causes them to do a Justice League thing for for the TV machine, the question is just going to be hanging out there. Well, where's Superman? And I think it would be better if they didn't have one in the setting because then that wouldn't be a question. But that's just me. Yeah. I am excited about this show, though. I think that they could do some interesting stuff with it as long as they don't get sexist. That's my biggest concern, is that they're going to get a little sexist with Supergirl, because, well, let's face it, that's kind of where Supergirl has been off and on. But if she's like the Supergirl that was in the Justice League animated series that Paul Dini did, (laughs) that would be awesome. So, now we are entering the spoiler zone. They... For the rest of the episode, I will be talking about the last episode of Agent Carter and everything that led up to it, and I will probably say some things that will be spoilery, including the very end surprise and what have you. So if you have not watched Agent Carter and you are averse to having things spoiled for you, you might want to check out the end of this episode later, (laughs) because that's what I'm going to be talking about. So... The final episode of Agent Carter has aired, Valediction, which means endings. And the first thing I have to say is, I want a full series out of the show. Agent Carter has been such a breath of fresh air for me on TV. Peggy Carter is such an amazing character that, you know, I... I want to see more of Haley Atwell. I want to see more of Haley Atwell. I want to see more of Haley Atwell. I'm really excited to see her name on the poster for the upcoming Avengers Age of Ultron because that's more Haley Atwell. I I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. And in full disclosure, as I'm recording this podcast, I'm wearing one of my Agent Carter shirts. So, (laughs) you know, big fan, big fan, want more. Um, For those of you who are still listening, who haven't seen the show, Agent Carter is about Agent Peggy Carter, which you would remember from, hopefully, having seen Captain America, Captain America Winter Soldier, and I believe she's referenced in um, the first Avengers movie as well. Peggy Carter was a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, she's actually been mentioned on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show and actually had a few cameos on that as well. Um, she and Howard Stark essentially created S.H.I.E.L.D. And she was involved with Project Rebirth. They gave us Captain America, and Captain America is the love of her life. Giving her her own show set after Captain America, after World War II, at the beginning of the Cold War, I think was a very brave decision And it was one that, for me at least, paid off. The show has been so entertaining. The relationship between her and Edmund Jarvis... Oh, Edwin Jarvis, sorry. um, Was just so... I don't know, the two of them together... they, They had that kind of Holmes Watson thing going on, but in such a strange way. It's hard to explain if you haven't seen their on-screen chemistry with each other. And they worked really, really well. I like that the show took on the attitudes of sexism that existed in the 1950s in America, especially as women were being forced out of the workplace so that the men returning from war could have a job. That was a very interesting thing that they did did on the series, especially nowadays, you know, when we tend to pretend that sexism is a thing that doesn't happen anymore, even though it really does. But, I mean, not as bad, but it's still 
around. Trust me, I live in an area where we are we, we deal with that a little bit more than we should. Many of the other characters on the show were really good. Um, Daniel Sousa, played by en- Envar um, Jokaj. If you don't know who I'm talking about, he was one of the main actors on Dollhouse. And he he was a character that I just fell in love with. There was something about him that was interesting, not fully explored, which is one of the other reasons why this show needs a full series. He was smart. He was injured somehow during World War II, though we're not really given an explanation as to what happened to his leg. And it was he, he was a very refreshing kind of character to have on the show in that he was the counterpoint to the male sexism that you saw in The Office Place. This season being about Leviathan, which, while I do hope if they get another series, Leviathan is not going to be the enemy again, I would like Leviathan to stay out there, kind of like Hydra, as a threat. Because that's what it was. In the comics, Leviathan was essentially the Soviet version of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the way that they played with that on the show was re- was interesting. Um, especially with the character that we meet initially as Do- um, Dr. Fenhoff, who we learn is Dr. Ivchenko. He, he was a fascinating villain. I'm interested. I loved what they did with him throughout the series but the series was just way too short i know it was a mini series that they put up to fit in the gap between agents of shield going on hiatus and it coming back it's kind of a backdoor test to see if something like this could happen but the series season was way too short to really go into the characters to the full depth that they needed the relationship between peggy and dotty for example is something that i would love to see a lot more of especially given how the series ended. Okay, so a little bit about validation. What did I think about um, Valediction? I actually liked the way that they summed up the series, starting like they did with the radio play of Captain America, um, which I, I have to say I found those really entertaining because I'm a fan of a lot of radio drama, and I've heard some of the Captain America radio dramas, and they're actually kind of like that. Um, yeah, I, I really like that they kind of start started with that. And if we don't get another series, another season, then this was a really good bookend in a lot of ways that helped fill out Peggy Carter as a very interesting character and her relationship with Howard Stark. What's even more interesting was giving Howard, like they did, his own... I hate to say this because it's his son, but, you know, in chronology of everything being released, his own Tony Stark moment where he realizes that everything that he's ever done created death. And he felt that Steve Rogers and Project Rebirth was the one good thing that he did. That that moment made me think back to the original Iron Man movie where Tony is wondering if Howard, if his father, ever questioned what they were doing make, with Stark Industries and making the weapons and everything. And to see him go through that and have a very different reaction. 
you know, his reaction wasn't Tony Stark's reaction. Well, I'm going to get my weapons back. I'm going to become a superhero, blah, 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 blah. Howard Stark's reaction, I mean, he did do some of that, but that was all off camera. Howard's reaction was much more emotional. And it was the one thing that Ivchenko used against him to try to get him to destroy New York. And this idea that Steve Rogers was his redemption, that Steve Rogers was his salvation, was such a powerful idea for me. And, you know, it, it also brought up that moment in Avengers where um, Tony Stark meets Captain America for the first time and says, you're the guy my dad wouldn't shut up talking about. And that really meant something for me because seeing how much of a hero I, um, um, Captain America had become in Howard Stark's mind, that Howard Stark had helped create this ultimate force for good as a counterpoint for all of the darkness that he and destruction that he had brought into the world through his weapons manufacturing. I almost want to see, you know, a short with Howard Stark telling a story to young Tony, because I really want to know what those stories were, because he seems to idolize Steve Rogers so much. I, I would love to know what exactly those stories were. How did he get mentioned around the house? You know, was he kind of the good guy boogeyman, you know, be more like Steve Rogers, <laughs> you know? Or what? It just, it made me think about that and those dynamics of family and how does someone like Howard Stark and especially the Howard Stark that we met in this series and on the TV, in a, on the um, Captain America movie, how did he end up with a child? Like, I understand how he could have kids, you know, like busloads and busloads and busloads of kids because Howard Stark has a superpower and it's the seduction of women. <laughs> I mean, that is his superpower. So I understand how he could have kids, plural, like by the bus load, train load, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids scattered throughout the planet. But how did he end up raising one? I, I really kind of want that story because I, I feel like that is a gap in the Howard Stark that we've met so far that I can't wrap my head around exactly what happened who was tony stark's mother and how did that come to pass that howard stark decided to raise a child you know i i think that we're starting you know we started seeing that psychological change in him where he's talking you know where jarvis is telling us that he has decided to destroy his most dangerous creations rather than do what he had done previously at the beginning of the series which was put them in storage, and of course they got stolen. So we see him kind of psychologically maturing, and I, I would just I would love to see more of that because he's still very puerile by the end of the series, and something had to happen in him that would make him adult enough to want to actually have and raise a child. I I don't really want to talk about the action too much because. I don't think that that's what made this show great for me. It was the characters. And that's why I'm spending a lot of time talking about them. I mean, Peggy Carter's moment. I mean, all throughout this, while she's trying to save Howard's life, while she's trying to save New York. 
that conversation that she's having with him over the radio and her finally kind of letting Steve go. And that was amazing to me because the symmetry, it was so beautifully written, the symmetry of that conversation with Howard Stark and her last conversation with Steve Rogers. You know, sitting in the room with the radio, knowing that at any moment he'll never talk again because he'll probably be dead. You know, that, wow. A beautiful, beautiful bit of symmetry there in her story. And seeing her through this be able to not only help Howard Stark, but to kind of let go of Captain Rogers. That that was a very powerful moment for me because it it was this lingering thing in her character. It I you know, I think we've all for in one way or another lost someone that we really, really loved. And, you know, if you know, friend, family, you know, lover, what have you. And it's really hard to let go of that. And to have her have to go through that trauma all over again where there's her friend Howard Stark and he's not in exactly the same situation that Steve Rogers was but in a similar situation and the risk of losing him too and in losing Howard she would lose Jarvis because if Jarvis had to shoot Howard's plane down I mean can you imagine what that would do to his psyche you know it was a powerful moment on TV for me and one that resonated very strong with me. I, I loved it. And I would like to see more of that. That that wonderful, that powerful, that moving char- character moment where you see her, you know, telling him that he has to let go of the memory of Steve Rogers while she herself is letting go of it. It, it, it was breathtaking. It was wonderful. It, it makes the entire series even more worth watching because the payoff, instead of doing the cheap thing, and I don't mean by production costs, I mean the easy thing of just giving us a big boom, uh, you know, ending, having it be such an emotional touchstone, to have it be such a character driven moment on the show, that was a risk on the behalf of the producers and the writers and for me it was one that really really paid off and it paid off doubly in that at the end of the season when we see at the you know at the end of the episode when we see Jack taking credit in front of the senator for everything that Peggy did everything that Peggy did and Soso getting so mad about it that I'm going to go in there and I'm going to tell that senator and I'm going to tell Truman himself if I have to. And Peggy just having that wonderful moment in contrast to some of the things that we saw earlier, that wonderful moment of growth where she's like, my worth isn't dependent on what people think about me. I know my own worth. That was such a glorious moment in the show. I know my own worth. And may we all learn how to say that and mean it. That was, that was beauty. Just sheer and utter beauty. And 
uh, and I'm getting kind of chills just thinking about it right now. I mean, it was it powerful. Then, of course, there's the end of the episode, which it requires a sequel. It requires more. I need another season because with Dottie and Peggy moving into one of Howard Stark's many, 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 many apartments and Dottie's enthusiasm about it and, you know, I, 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 I need... I need more. I'm, I'm going to try to stop say that, saying that and just talk about the episode, but I need more. And then that final touching moment where Jarvis gives Peggy that vial of Captain America's blood and explains to her that he's given it to her because he doesn't think anybody, even Howard Stark, could be trusted to do the right thing with it. And he's probably right. But then to see Peggy pouring that vial of blood into the river. I mean, I don't know. Sorry for the silence there. There really is no words for it. There was, it was such a perfect moment. Because this was the last thing that she had that was Steve Rogers. This was his very life's blood. The blood of the man that she loved more than anything. And that she would love more than anyone else in her life. And seeing her pour that vial of blood into the river at the end of the episode. It was one of those perfect TV moments. You don't get a lot of them, but it was it was so beautiful. It was such a touching moment because this is the moment that she needed the entire season. This is the moment that she needed ever since Steve's plane went down. This was the moment that she could finally let go and be at peace with what happened. It was the moment that she needed, and in some ways... It was the moment that we needed. It was one of those rare things on television, that cathartic moment of letting go of the past so that you can embrace whatever the future brings you. I mean, such, I don't know, such an amazing thing. And to me, they, they have to be setting up a second season. And I had a long argument with Johan and Brian about this last night because at the very end of the episode when we see um, Dr. Ivchenko in his torturous makes everything that they ever put on Hannibal Lecter look humane face mask to keep him from being able to speak get put in the same cell with Zola and having Zola start asking questions about how he was able to do the things that he did. And knowing that, like we do from Winter Soldier, that Zola is going to find a way out of prison to be a consultant inside of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. To build... 
it was one of those moments where we you see the Hydra plot starting, that Zola is going to do something. And Brian really felt that what Zola was learning there was the techniques that would go into Project Insight, which was a big part of the plot of Winter Soldier. And yes, I, I the, psych, the, the amount of psycho, psychological knowledge that he could have learned from Ivchenko, yeah, I, I could see that helping be part of what would be the process for you know, the, the, the profiling that Project Insight used to figure out who it was going to shoot. But there's so much more that he could have done with that knowledge if he could learn how to manipulate people to the same degree that Ivchenko was able to do. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a story there that they're setting up a second season with Zola as the villain or Zola being a distraction villain or something. You know what I'm saying? That Zola, I don't know. You you have this brilliant mastermind who can hypnotize anybody and get anybody to do what he wants. And the only thing that you're going to do with that knowledge is Project Insight like 70 years later. I don't buy that for a second. Zola has something in mind. Zola is plotting something. We know that he gets out of prison. We know that he becomes an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of sort of consultant thingy. Um, there, there's a story there and I want it on my TV machine. I want it on my TV machine <laughs> and hopefully we'll get that. We, as, as of this recording, I have heard absolutely nothing as to whether or not they're going to be renewing agent Carter. I hope they will. Um, even if it's for another mini series next year in this t- same time slot in the, you know, during the hiatus for agents of shield, I really want I really want another season, and hopefully we'll get that. Let me know what you thought about this episode. I'd really like to know what you thought about this episode in this series, because I I, I have not fallen in love with the TV series in the same way that I have with Agent Carter in a long time. And this is a show that I hope gets a lot more, and I would love to know what you guys think about it. So let me know. Send me an email, eric at projectshadow. I'm sorry, eric at dashpunk.com, or you can contact me through any of the social media sites, or leave a comment over at the Project Shadow agenda, or on the show notes over at projectshadow.com. Anywhere you can find me, leave me a comment, and I will get back to you, because I'd love to know what you think. Next week, um, I can't wait for the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and hopefully maybe learning what Raina is. Um, <laughs> it's a big question in my mind. Tomorrow, hopefully for tomorrow's show, we will be talking about Arrow, unless something else comes up that's just so pressing, I have to talk about it. Um, I have not seen Nanda Parbat yet, because we watch these in a group, and the group's going over tonight. We're going to be watching Nanda Parbat tonight, so I can't wait to find out what happens, and... We'll be talking about that tomorrow. And anything else that's in the news. One of the things that I'm going to try differently from now on is after I finish recording the show, which means probably before um, any of you get to hear it, I want to be posting a link on our social site, over our community site over at projectshadowagenda.com and I'm going to push that out to Twitter and Facebook and ask you for suggestions and stuff for the next episode for episode 559 
to see what you guys want. So you have a uh, kind of a catch-all place to start submitting things. And I think I'm going to start posting that immediately after recording or maybe after I push publish. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but let me know what you guys think, what you want on the new show, on the next episode. And I can't wait to talk to you guys about Arrow tomorrow. Anyway, it's been fun. Bye.